1: I've got a great interview for you with Jeffrey Jenna. Jeffrey is one of those guys that, when I first started, had already been headlining for a while. In fact, he started in 1978, and the first time I worked with him was in 91 or 92, quite a while after that. And this interview, I thought, was lost. You know, along with last week's interview with Louis Ramey, I had done those early on. I think I actually did them before I even launched the podcast. And I put them on a thumb drive, thinking, hey, if I keep them here, they'll be safe, and uh, I won't lose them. And then I lost that thumb drive. Guess where I found it. Under the seat of my car when I was cleaning it two weeks ago. So I've got this great interview. A couple of the references might be a little bit out of whack because of the time frame. If he mentions it's 2014 or 13 or whatever uh, it was. And now I've found it and put it back together and got it all up to speed. And I I think you're going to dig it. Jeff's a funny guy. And man, he's got a lot of experience and a lot of truthful and honest insight that I know the new comics listening as well as the road dogs out there appreciate. And uh, we'll find a familiar voice with Jeff Jenna. So we'll get to that here in a second. That sound means I'm going to try, try to fix a joke. This one comes in from Eddie Gilbert, who is just starting his uh, pursuit of stand-up comedy. And this joke is called Lost While Fishing. Here it goes. My dad lost me once. My mom made him take me on a men's fishing trip. There's a reason that kids don't go on a men's fishing trip. They do more drinking than fishing. They aren't worried about catching fish. They're worried about catching a buzz. They would have known exactly where I was at all times if I were a six-pack of Coors Light. I was lost for six hours, and Dad kept fishing for the first three of them. I was scared to death that I was going to get taken. I saw the movie, I Know My First Name is Steven. I'm running up and down the riverbank going, My name is Eddie. My name is Eddie. My name is Eddie. And he says he does this in a Rain Man impression. That's great. I don't do a Rain Man impression, so I'm just going to read it. I instantly turned into Rain Man. They had to call the sheriff's department. When he found me, I was like, my name is Eddie. I lost my dad. Must get home. All in Rain Man's voice. That kind of stuff never goes away. 30 years later, I'm still talking about it. It's on his permanent dad record. All right, Eddie. So let's take a stab at this here. Uh, First tip I give to anybody writing comedy right out of the gate is to brainstorm the idea out and get as much down on paper as possible. That's what you've got here. You've got all the possible uh, parts of the story going on. The second part is scaling it back down or condensing it into just the necessary parts for the laugh. So where are the potential laughs in this story It depends. You know, uh, if you think that line, they aren't worried about catching fish, they're worried about catching a buzz is your biggest laugh, then you would make sure that stood out as your punchline. I'm not sure that actually is the biggest laugh in here. Um, I think the next line, they would have known exactly where I was at all times if I were a six-pack of Coors Light. That might work. So first thing I would do is condense that setup. My dad lost me once on a men's fishing trip. Then the second line would be the punchline. They would have known exactly where I was if I was a six-pack of Coors Light. Boom. That's it. That's your setup. That's your punchline. If you want to tag it with something else, that's fine. But I would just do those two little things there. Get a premise. Get a punchline. And try that out. See if you get a laugh. And if you do, develop the story further. Otherwise, you're giving the audience a ton of information. You're new at doing comedy. So if the joke doesn't get a laugh, you're not sure why. And it may be that there's funny stuff in there, and you just give up on it because it didn't get the response it needed. It doesn't get the response because it's too wordy. So boil it back down. A very simple premise, a quick punchline, and then tag it if you like. Hope that helps, Eddie. Hey, before you know it, we're going to hit episode 100 here on the podcast, and it's going to be a very special podcast. You want to make sure you bookmark that. I think it comes out May 12th. There's going to be some announcements on that podcast about the way things will proceed from here on out and some opportunities for you to interact at a higher level. And One thing I'd like to do on that podcast is uh, kind of celebrate you guys, the people that are listening to the podcast. What I would love for you to do is shoot me a brief message, uh, SchoolOfLaughs at gmail.com, and just let me know about maybe your favorite episode that you listened to over the 100, and if uh, you haven't found a good one yet, uh, let me know that too and what you're looking for, and I'll see if I can't record a, a podcast on your topic. But I would love to hear which episode that you maybe stopped, paused, wrote down some notes, or listened to more than once and got the most out of, and I'll make a little uh, a note of that and read out your comments on the air. And I kind of want to celebrate that with you. Also, let some people know you know, who's listening to the podcast. I know we have got co- comics out there that are, are doing really well, winning some contests I just saw here recently uh, for one of you, and a lot of other things going on. So if you've had fun listening to the podcast and got something out of it, please shoot me a message, schooloflast at gmail.com. It doesn't have to be a long thing, two or three sentences. Let me know your favorite episode or favorite tidbit you've picked up along the way, and I'll share those with everybody else in case they missed it. Now it's time to get into our interview with Jeffrey Jenna, very funny comedian out of the Cincinnati, Ohio area. I'm getting so old that there's very few guys that are out there still doing it that are older than me. (laughs) Jeff Jenna's been doing comedy forever, it seems I
0: started it in 1978 uh, in Houston, Texas at the Comedy Annex. I was a school teacher still at the time and uh, teaching school in the Houston Public Schools. A fabulous comedy building experience. Yeah, no doubt. If there ever was. <laughs> what grade Teach, levels? I was teaching uh, fifth and sixth grade in Houston Intercity Public Schools. So oh man, it was fun, man. And did you grow up around Texas? No, or? no, I grew up in Kentucky. I grew uh, up in Ashland, Kentucky, which is is uh, over by Moorhead State right out in eastern yeah. Eastern Kentucky. And, uh, and, and I've lived all over though. Just, I mean, you know how the life of a comic is, man. I've lived in New York, Chicago, LA, Houston, Detroit. The only reason I think to be in Los Angeles is to be in television. Mm -hmm. And if you're just like I am now, I'm doing corporate work and I'm not even doing much clubs anymore, mostly just corporate work and cruise work. Uh,
1: you can live wherever you want, right? And you might as well live somewhere where you like it and wow. you enjoy it. So seventy-eight, you started, and that's that was right before the big boom. I mean, you're right, you were in good, good, good spot to be in. I think
0: I was in terms of uh, my starting out. I think I was in a great spot to be in, because I I only worked for about two and a half, three years until I was getting gigs on the road. My first road gig, real road gig, was crackers comedy club in indianapolis indiana Uh when it was the old crackers out at the fashion mall on the north side there jim schliebner was the club owner there and i think the first headliner i ever worked with was bob saget oh really and the middle act was uh mark klein and bob bachelador yeah who were mark uh bob and marker is i i I
1: yeah i think they just got together and redid one of those things for some some, for a charity event Yeah. yeah But, uh, I didn't realize that Crackers out there had been there that long. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it had been there a long, long
0: time. Wow. And that was probably when I first started going on the road, maybe 81, I want to mm-hmm. say. And wow. uh, I would had a great teaching job at a, a private prep school in Detroit and decided I would take a year off and find out what it was like to be a comic on the road. And then I'd probably go back to teaching and write a book about my right year as an artist and I i never went back i started making a fun. living and well i started making a living i mean you know and it was possible back then mm-hmm. and at the time you could make a decent living being a feature on the road without selling t-shirts and bumper stickers and albums and or al- albums <laughs> <laughs> <CDs, laughs> eight tracks you know. out there I got some tracks.
1: <laughs> I, I didn't have eight tracks but i did have cassettes <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's funny. I used to carry an 8-track with me with my sales pitch. I'm like, hey, I got one 8-track left, you know, and somebody would always actually want the 8-track. Like, I just I just taped over an old Ray, Ray Stevens one here. That's funny. So, yeah, you get, get out there, found the road to be fun, and started making some buddies and And, and, and making
0: buddies, and, and, you know, the the best fun of the early days was uh, when you weren't headlining, which you got to work with, a lot of people who were – kind of established names already. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I work with Leno and I work with Shandling and I worked with, you know, uh, everybody, you know, and uh, it's, uh, you, you know, unfortunately, I think for the guys that opened for me, it's not the same thrill. <laughs> <laughs> you guys like, hey, I work with Leno, you work with Jenna? Yeah, I worked with Jenna. Uh, you work know, with yeah, Jeff Jeff. Yeah, yeah, good God.
1: I don't know if it was the first time I worked with you, but I remember one time specifically, Uh, It was my first MC week in Cleveland, and it was you and Craig Peters. At the Improv up there. At the Improv. Yeah,
0: that was a great club.
1: Yeah, and I lived in Columbus, and I was, you know, I could have driven back and forth every day, but MC money doesn't really cover gas like it does, like it should. So I thought I'd stay there, and they said, we got a hotel for you. So they put me in this place It was really like a pay-by-the-hour hotel. And I, I was there for about 30 minutes. I think I went there before the show refused to take a shower because it just looked like it was contaminated and then i came came back to the club and i was prepared to drive back and forth to columbus but i i asked sarah who was booking it i said is there any place i can stay she goes well you can ask jeff and craig if you can crash at the condo i don't think they're going to go for it and i told you the situation you're like dude the couch is yours and craig like yeah the couch is you don't need to stay at that place and uh hung out there and, and picked up a lot of tips and stuff working in the in the club but hanging out in the condo with you guys was a lot of fun i was going to be in this horrible place if i didn't do that yeah so i always remember that as a you didn't have to do that and i know sometimes when i was headlining i would have probably said nah i to, know at some point guy.
0: we <laughs> want to talk about like comedy and writing and and yeah, getting well, going but uh, but i mean talking about road dog stories is always fun and uh i stayed in some i mean you know that some of the the places you know zanies in nashville mm-hmm. for a while had what i called the crack house yeah. across the street there where like the junkie cook lived upstairs right. and, and there eight million people wandering out of there so i go to work zanies in nashville and lenny who i had known already for a long time and i'm still friends with him for some crazy right <laughs> all the ups and downs we've had we're still really good buddies but I walk into that house, and I—I I don't even put my bag down or anything. Mm-hmm. I just walk back across the street to the club. I walk into Lenny's office. I go, Lenny, you tell me that you would let your son and your wife even walk into that house, right. and I will shut up and go over there and stay all week. But I said, there's like a super eight down the street that's forty bucks a night. I'll split it with you. Oh, yeah. Lenny kind of goes, I'll pay for the hotel. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was, it was a really bad—actually, I, I, I used to say I moved to Nashville so I wouldn't have to stay in the condo. I, I loved doing the gigs there, and the town was fun. But, yeah, it was really bad. And, uh, yeah, like just like you said, uh, the cook and the bartenders and people were running different deals up in the attic. Yeah. And uh, you, there was no safety. And, uh, there was. Plus, you're right on the edge of a, a pretty uh, busy street and everything yeah. else. And then uh, I did
0: some gig. I don't remember where it was, but I remember it was a, a San Filippo Brothers gig down in Florida somewhere. Mm-hmm. Where they had taken the garage of somebody's house, and Daniel Tosh was just starting out, and he was living
1: in the garage, and you stayed there with him. That is hilarious. (laughs) That guy, uh, Joe, still owes me 500 bucks. Oh, I don't even want to get into that. Yeah, yeah. He's the only outstanding bill that I still have. There's like three guys (laughs) that that messed me over in the time. Well, that's funny. You actually taught some stand-up at Wright State. I didn't realize that. And at the comedy club down in Newport. Right. I, well, I started teaching. I told you this before. I said
0: what I used to tell my students was. You know, my wife was a professional golf teacher, and I say everybody who came to my wife for lessons did not become Tiger Woods. Right. <laughs> but the people who came to her and listened to what she had to say and practice all got better. And and I used to tell my comedy students the same way. Listen, I used to say I can do a lot of things in my class where I can show you structure. I can show you what working professionals do. I can show you what successful comics do. Uh, I can give you strategies for performance and for business, the business end. I said, but I cannot give you talent. Right.
1: That's the way I I talked to mine. I said, you know, I give him a few examples of like. Eight, eight aspects of great comedians, you know, things, right. you know, talent and the pers- a point of view that's really strong and brilliant material. I'm mm-hmm. like, I can't give you any of that stuff. You kind of kind of bring it and we'll develop it. And maybe I'll see something and say, you know, this is what we ought to spend some time on. But, you know, anybody that tells you that, hey, you're going to walk out of here some genius, you know, you got to bring something to the table. Right. You, there's definitely ways you can tweak and, it and make it strong. And I also yeah. say this. I think desire is more important than talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen,
0: and you've seen over the course of my, you know, 35, 38 years, whatever it is now in the business, I've seen guys and women. And when I say guys, I mean that for the you, for you women listening, I mean that in the generic sense of like, we're all guys, we're human being guys. I've seen comedians who were incredibly talented, just stunningly funny, brilliant, great performers who would go back to their apartment and wait for somebody to discover quote unquote them well it ain't gonna happen right right and a lot of guys drop out you know because hey i don't get it man you know the tonight show isn't calling me what's up with that well you know you yeah. got to getting out and pushing yourself and being seen and marketing yourself is a big part of the business too and you have to
1: Learn to do that. Yeah. I always talk about perseverance as one of those eight things I can't give you. You know, if you just keep fighting through, you're going to win by attrition at some point. You know, when I started in in Columbus, there were probably... No, no less than twenty-five people starting within the same couple of months. Exactly, and there I were tons still doing it. Tons of open micers and clumps. I remember
0: I used to do the club when it was at the Crossing mm. over there, and then you, when uh, it moved to there was the, the Continent, the Continent, funny Bone at the Continent, right there. I, I used the, to work the Continent, the Ramada, to, Ramada. the Ramada, the Ramada. I did club. that one, and <laughs> you know, and I, I, I go back to Giggles in Columbus. You know, back in the old, old days.
1: It's,
0: yeah, but uh, you know, how many open mic cats? I mean, that would be a great example of all the really good open mic cats that I saw in Columbus who you thought, well, wow, that guy will do all right. And then they kind of drop off and don't persevere. And,
1: you know, if you stick with it long enough. Yeah. You know, Well I, I know for sure at least 18 of those 25 are way funnier than I was, but I'm still doing it, you know. And, and at some point, I think, too, um, everybody has a different level of tolerance for tolerance for pain
0: tolerance for great (laughs) as the great runner steve prefontaine said yeah he said uh, his secret was that he could endure more pain than anybody he knew he said he wasn't the most talented runner he wasn't the best runner but he could put himself into pain and stay there for longer than anybody he knew
1: and it's, it's kind of the same it's a lot in of the comedy, same. You know? I mean, there's so many, so many times it can be very frustrating and deflating. And you show up at some places, and it's just like, uh, is this really what comedy is all about? You know, there's eight people, and yeah. uh, did you ever have a night where you're just like, I this is this may be it? I had plenty of nights <laughs> where I said,
0: you know, when I was teaching school, I had a pension. Right, right. I said, if I could have just, I could have stuck it out for twenty more years, <laughs> I would have had a pension and be retired. I mean, yeah. You know, I'm I'm sixty two years old now. You know, if I would have stayed at teaching seven or eight years ago, I would have retired on a full pension and medical and all that. And I'm still out here hacking it away. But I read a I just this morning. I read an amazing quote, and I wish I could say who said it. I think it was George Burns who said this is that I would rather be at a failure at something I loved than a success at something I absolutely
1: hate. Yeah, no doubt about that.
0: And you know, and I, I remember one day standing on the, there was an old club in Los Angeles in West LA called Igby's, which was a great club. It was a great workout room and I used to work there all the time. And I remember one day standing on the front porch and there's a lot of guys there who were, had been stand-up comics, had moved into writing and, Acting and directing and all about there going. Oh man, I'm so glad I don't have to do this for a living anymore. Man, this sucks. And I just remember feeling like General Patton standing there going,
1: "God help me, I love it so." <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just. Uh, I know. Well, it could be tough to sustain. I mean, you got to be. It, it is a lot like being a runner because you're alone. It's a long haul. There's those days you got to put in just so you can keep doing it and right. stay sharp. Keep those muscles all tuned up. And you know? and
0: there's frustrating times too. Like uh, y- 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 like I, I I had a bit, and I and I'm not saying anybody stole from anybody or anything, but I had a bit that was very similar to another comic that I like and respect a great deal. And this just in the last couple of weeks this happened. And I've been doing my bit for a little while. And I don't think he ever saw me do it or ever heard of me doing it. I, it you know sometimes simultaneous creation because and it's. The bit is based on a very similar experience that a lot of comics have, uh-huh. where you're—I uh, was saying—I, you know, you're doing a gig, and I say I'm—I I set it on a ship, and I'm walking down the hallway near the coffee bar, and somebody comes up to me and goes, uh, a young girl comes up in front of a lot of other men when I'm standing there and goes, oh, you were fantastic last night. You know, <laughs> right. well, I—I I see another comic, uh, I see him do the same kind of bit, but it's in an elevator and it's a, it, you know, but mm-hmm. it's very similar and you kind of go it's like there it goes there it goes i can't do that anymore even though i know i created it and everything but he's doing it he's on tv and that has happened to me a number of times you know you 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 have a bit that's very similar to somebody else right. and they get it in front of the public in a big way first and you kind of go well oh, yeah. years ago I did a bit on Evening at the Improv where I said, you know, relationships are like a roller coaster. You got on first, everything's great. It was all the bills like clunk, 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 clunk. This is going to be great. Right. It's me and you all the way, baby, me and you. Then you punch over that first year. It goes, ah, what is going on? Help me. Ah, ah, ah. And then it's like to yeah, just hey, all right, it's smoothed out again. Okay, <laughs> yeah. everything's good, man. Everything's cool, you know? Yeah. So I, and I forget who the comic was, and I was watching a comic on TV just recently, did and a I very was. similar bit. Now, this guy, Plus, he is like a really bad junkie for old crappy right. cable shows. There's no way he ever saw me do that. Right. But he, he did something nuts. very similar. But, but, you know, it's just the human experience is vast and impressive, but it's
1: also limited. Right. What uh, I remember once, didn't you house MC at the La Brea Improv? Was at, that- no, at the Irvine Improv. The Irvine Improv. I, How long I, was that gig? That was five years.
0: Robert Hartman, who owns all the improvs, or is elite partners in all the improvs, uh, he and I have been friends for a long, long time. And he goes, I want every show to be dynamite. I want somebody to be the face of my club who's a great comic. Would you be interested in the job? And I said, because the Irvine Spectrum was 15 minutes from my house. Mm -hmm. I said, absolutely. And this is a lesson in negotiating for new (laughs) comics, too. So Robert goes to me and goes, well, how much would it cost me to have you do that gig for me? So in my mind, I'm doing like the mental math and going, well, I think I need to make X number of dollars a month, and I'm going to divide that by four. So, so I say a number. I said it would cost you this much a week, which I thought was a crazy number. He goes, okay. Oh man, <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, a- he was expecting me to say more. <laughs> yeah, I should have said more. Yeah,
1: that's so, yeah, no, that's anytime they agree within a half a second, you're like, ah. but it was, but it was for me, it was
0: a fantastic gig because first of all, five nights a week. You know, eight shows a week, every week. I'm doing 15 minutes, and even though at that time I'd already been in business 20 years, Uh it was a great building experience for me because I was I had to constantly write new stuff because there was a lot of repeat customers and there was a lot of repeat business. Plus, if you're doing 15 minutes every night, if you just continue to do, I I would have been bored out of my mind if you did the same doing the same Mm -hmm. opening stuff so i wrote a lot and i developed new stuff and i actually had a couple interesting things happen like i got a few tv shows of that a few, a few what i call brick wall shows out of being the host there mm-hmm. because they come down like showtime or somebody would come down to audition comics and i'd be hosting the show and they would go hey well we'll put well, you on that the guy's show pretty good yeah he's like pretty he good what he's doing. Yeah, you, <laughs> sticking to his time <laughs> yeah you you get on the show so it was it was actually a great gig for me, and it was five years. And uh, <laughs> excuse me, that's the last gig I had there before I moved back to the Midwest about uh, ten years ago now. So
1: at the end of that five years, were you starting to feel a little burnout, or was, did it? No, I enjoyed the gig. I mean, uh,
0: I, I I had always told my wife, I said, you know, if there was a club down the road where I could work and make a living and be home every night, I would absolutely love that. Right, and I did. Yeah, you know, it was a. I worked all the time. Plus, you know, being in L.A., because I was home all the time and making a living in comedy, it freed me up to do auditions for Mm -hmm. TV shows. And I actually, you know, when they ran out of real actors, I actually got a couple of uh, acting jobs out of it. I uh, saw like Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, Murder, She Wrote. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did Hunter. Yeah, Hunter. (laughs) God bless bless the residual system. I still get checks for like two bucks.
1: Yeah, I know.
0: (laughs) Still get some checks. And so I did a couple of. small film and television roles and that great time. And then, uh, we decided we'd move back to the Midwest here for personal and family reasons. And is your uh, wife from around here, uh, she is, she's an Ohio gal. Uh, like for example, I'll give you an example of, um, Right now I'm in a vacation period. I, in, starting last year and I hadn't done this for 35 years, but my son started high school this year. And I thought, you know, I'm going to spend time at home every summer and be hang out with him and my wife and be here, just right. be here. So I decided I'd take two weeks at the end of May and all of June off last year. So I took six weeks off last year and then I ended up taking another three weeks in the fall during golf season because he's a golfer and I'm going to do the same thing this year. So I'm in, I just started my six weeks
1: That's off. Excellent
0: this year but
1: well you, you gotta get take your time
0: like so you get calls from people and so like i have a friend who's a minister in springboro in springfield ohio calls me and goes hey we're doing a fundraiser would you come up and do it so friday night i'm gonna run up there because i'm you know. yeah you're close and then uh, a, a friend you you know dave dugan over mm-hmm. in indianapolis calls him and goes hey i'm doing this gig on june 7th it's just over here in india it's, it's an hour and 15 minutes i know you're on vacation but come over and do it and the money's like yeah, I'm not doing anything Saturday night. I run right. over do gig, so I picked up three or four great little like local kind of gigs just by being available. Just by being available and being home, you know. One of the dangers, and you know this, and you've seen this. Uh, one of the things that drives guys out of the business almost as much as apathy and lack of commitment is alcohol and drugs. Right. And uh, we both unfortunately have known a lot of people who are way talented than either one of us. Uh, succumb to drugs and alcohol and it either kills them literally Mm -hmm. or drives them out of the business because they're not dependable and fortunately for me i i got away from that in 1989 so it's been a long period of time for me being clean and sober you know and uh but that that also is a big danger i think for beginning comics
1: there is you know and i think part of it is you know
0: and I don't know how I meandered onto that topic. No, from the, but
1: from the, you know, it, it's worth you know. The, sometimes on the podcast, talk about all the fun stuff, but there's definitely a lot of demons on the road that can follow you around. You've right. got a lot of downtime, and if you're not, you know, and I think it's at certain ages when you're in your twenties or whatever, you just gravitate towards the stuff that's free and easy, and right. you know, and, it's and fun.
0: The booze and the, everything, it's it's very free, and uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm not around the other scene anymore but I and I don't know like in the clubs and on the road of how prevalent I can't imagine it's gotten less prevalent
1: right especially, especially with, legalization, with legalization and, and things on. like that
0: you know so it's it's a danger and it's and it's inhibiting and and it's like this is a job and and I say this to guys beginning comics all the time I say if you want this to be your job you got to treat it like a job and you got to show up at work and you got to be clear headed, and you got to sit down in the chair and you got to do the writing and you got to work the phone or the email, mm-hmm. and you got to make your contacts and and you you have to learn to embrace rejection. and I, I I'm trying to teach my son this right now. He's fifteen. I'm saying, you know the great, the beautiful thing about life, son, is that you have to learn to enjoy the struggle, right. And if you can't embrace the struggle, life will seem hard. But if you learn to enjoy the struggle, life is easy, you know?
1: Oh, yeah. The the reward on the other side of fighting through something and being able to accomplish it is is way better. But there is a lot of temptation just to kind of cash out, you know, and not fight through. It's like... Golf. I mean, you're such a golfer, but there's a ton of similarities between hey, I
0: worked with Tommy Smothers at uh, in Las Vegas, and uh, Tommy was a big golfer when went on golf. He said, he's working on it a bit. He says, I'm working on a book about golf. I said, no, oh, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, it's called 37
1: uh, Things You Should Be Thinking in Impact. <laughs> right. Right. And that's <laughs> same thing on stage, right? You're like, I got to make eye contact. I got to make sure that table over there doesn't get too loud. Right. I got to hit my punchline. What am I going to do next? So right. it, it takes a long time just to fight through all that to where it becomes second nature. Right. And you can really just focus on the most important and of those still,
0: things. I don't know if you have this experience, but I have that experience sometimes when I'm on stage. It's like I can do my act, and there's another guy who lives back up in there somewhere who talks to me and goes, You didn't pick up your dry cleaner. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> I'm like, ah! It's funny. It, when I have that guy, it's in the first five or six minutes. <laughs> right. And then finally I get into the zone where I, I block all that out. But there's times uh, where, right when you're walking up, you got something really heavy on your mind. Right. Or, or it started an hour and a half late or whatever. Uh, so- this
0: is my pet peeve. You just hit my pet peeve mm-hmm. right there. It's like, you know, the, you go to a gig and the booker says, uh, the gig is at 8 o'clock. I want you to be there at 7.30. So you show up at 7.30. Well, the show starts at 10. Yeah. It's like, ah, why did you tell me? You know, it's just, ah. It's like at corporate events. I don't care, you know, because generally speaking, corporate events run you know they're going to run fairly late. close to time right. and they but it's sometimes you show up and you, uh, like you've done this is you go to corporate well i thought we put john during the dinner
1: yeah yeah we just talked about that the other day it's no, like that's the no, one time you cannot do it
0: no that's not good people are trying to eat they want to have a conversation at their table during dinner after dinner i don't mind going on while you're serving coffee
1: right but all the dishes have to be
0: cleared. Get the dishes. No more ching chang. Right. No, no ching chang. Because <laughs> focus is important. I did a gig in at Galt House in Louisville once. And I show up and they have this beautiful stage set up. And they have about three tables in front of the stage. And way in the back room, there's a bar and a mm-hmm. bunch of standing up tables. And I looked at me and said, Is this the setup for the comedy? She goes, Yeah, I thought what happens is people come in, they get a drink. And then when you start, they'll walk up front. I go, they will not they will never said they will stand back here at the bar and talk and i will be an annoyance to their conversation she goes well what do you want to do i said well let's set up about a hundred chairs right up here near the stage and put the bar up here next to the stage and when the show starts we're going to close the bar she goes oh okay (laughs) yeah so and it worked great people came in they got a drink they took a seat We started the show, the bartender quit, and I said, after the show, the bar will open again for your enjoyment, you know? And it worked
1: great. Yeah, and it would not have worked at all the other way. And she goes to
0: me, she goes, oh yeah, last year we had the magician we did it my way, it was horrible. Yeah. (laughs) Why did you want to do it again that way? I didn't say that, but I thought
1: it. Yeah, just one less thing to do, just do it the same way we did last time. Yeah, so...
0: That's funny. It was uh, it was crazy. But uh, you know how it is. I mean, you've been doing
1: those Yeah, you just and, can be malleable a little bit and, and fight through it. But you do got to stand up for yourself. Right. Like that's one thing. I, it took a while.
0: And and there's ways to stand up for yourself where it's not, you don't have to go, go be demanding. Mm-hmm. I demand, you know. This is, I'm working. You know, you just kind of say, listen, this is my stand line. I go, listen, I'll do whatever you want to do. But if you want the show to be good, let's do this. Right. You know. I need a microphone. Right. (laughs) I need people to be seated. I need people to be focused. I would really like somebody to go up before me Mm -hmm. for at least say a few words. A couple of minutes. Don't have to be funny. Mm -hmm. Just to get them focused. Preferably somebody who's an authority figure here that everybody will shut up and pay attention to. Who writes the checks? I want them talking for about three minutes. Right. And then have him say something nice about me, like I've been seen on over forty television shows. Please welcome Jeff. That's the other thing too is you go to some of these corporate events and they want to read your Their bio. They want to write your memoir.
1: Yeah. What, what was your worst introduction ever? Where they just either sandbagged you or well, you know, pulled the, the carpet out the, from under you. The
0: classic story is uh, the weirdest gig ever. This is my weirdest gig story ever, man. At a hotel in Newport Beach, California, for. I don't even remember the company name, but it was this company, right? So I show up in my suit and tie and I go to the concierge and go, hi, I'm entertaining at the blah blah party. Where is it? And he goes, Oh, it's in that dining room right over there. And I kind of said, Wow, I thought there was a big deal. It's in a little dining, a little private dining room. So okay. So I go over there, I walk in. And the mood in this room, like the lights are dim, and the mood is like, you, can, you know, you can mm-hmm. tell, you can pick up a, there's a vibe There needs to be room. a
1: cheerful, talky
0: vibe. There, there's a bad vibe. There's yeah. a very somber, down vibe in this room. So a guy sees me, comes and goes, oh, hey, uh, what can I do for you? He goes, well, I'm Jeff Jenna, blah, blah. I mentioned the guy's name, the contact name, has hired me to be a stand-up comedian for your meeting here tonight. He goes, oh well, that's weird. I go, are, are you this guy he goes no but i know him he works with us i said well what's the deal he goes i, I he said i don't know but you hired you they paid you i go yeah i'm getting paid so well, come on in so i go over and there's like a big table with about 15 or 16 people sitting around it and there's no equipment or anything mm-hmm. and i go well i guess i just kind of stand here and talk to y'all and so i start doing and there's like women like dab in their eyes oh no and and i do about five or six minutes and i mean it's just horrible i mean there's not you know it's like and i just said you know uh i don't know if i've offended you in some way but apparently this isn't working and i'm just gonna say i'm really sorry and i'm gonna go and the guy goes yeah i think that's a good idea (laughs) sorry so I'm walking to the door and, and I'm talking to the guy who brought me in. I said, listen, I'm really, really sorry. I, I, I don't know what. He goes, yeah, this is really weird. The dad a comic, you know, that guy down there has terminal cancer and this is kind of a going away party for him. Oh. And I'm like, holy crap. What did I get into here? So I go back out and my phone, which I've had on silent, mm-hmm. like 10 messages. Right. Oh, no. Where are you? What <laughs> are you doing? Oh no. So I call her back. I said I'm at the hotel. She goes. They they they've they've been calling. I said I and I tell her what happened. She goes. That that's not possible. There and I said she and I'm at the hotel. Right. Right. Well, the gig was in a ballroom. Same
1: company. Uh huh. You know. They just had splintered off to do their little. No no no. They they had booked independently. Didn't even know. Didn't even know. Oh no.
0: Didn't even know. <laughs> so. It is the only gig in my life that I've ever missed in like thirty seven years of comedy. Oh, but, but
1: they couldn't it, get you back up later or anything Because or? It, it the the window had
0: gone. And so
1: Did and you I get said, to talk to the other event head planner? I went to the, the like, other
0: event head planner and I said, Listen, here's what happened. I was over there and the, the guy and the guy was like, Oh my god, he's like he's very apologetic. I said, I'm really sorry. I said, You know, I said I was in there, the concierge told me that's where your party was and but that was that was like the weirdest thing
1: ever that's really i mean that that tops thing I could even think of that was like the, the strangest wrong group
0: the wrong group, and it was like a <laughs> death party
1: <laughs> i
0: 'm dying,
1: <laughs> and you 're not going to hey, how you guys doing yeah uh, that is the, <laughs> you know i've been in some some of those hotels are so big you 're not sure right you know and that's that's one thing I do now ahead of time is uh, i want I want to walk down and be in the room, show me the room and the stage that I'm supposed to be at.
0: Oh, I go now, but this is one of those things where you know I live at the time. 15 minutes from Newport Beach, I'd been to the hotel yeah. before. You just, I figured, yeah, Joe, ask concierge where the gig is. No big deal. Yep. But I do the same thing. I go early. I go to the room. I make sure I know where the room is, see what the setup looks like.
1: Yeah, see if there's anything you can fix ahead of time, troubleshoot a little bit. Exactly. And I used to not do that. I used to be the guy. I would roll in you know, 20 minutes before I was supposed to be on stage, right. and I was right out. And I, a lot of times I just you – and know, I play guitar in a lot of my shows. Right. A lot of times they don't have what I need, and it's too late. So I'm early. Check it out. Make
0: sure everything's working. Yeah. yeah,
1: Visualize how I think it will be. And it's, it's always totally different than you right. think it's going to be. Right. You see a great room, great setup, eh, average show. Horrible setup sometimes, great show. You just can't, there's nothing you can oh, do. I
0: just did a gig uh, in Ohio, in a little town in Ohio, at this Christmas, this past holiday season, where the guy goes, uh, well, we don't got a sound system. Oh, yeah. But I, I, So I have an, a guitar amp, and I just jack a mic in it. I said, it's a small room, right? He goes, yeah. So well, I'll bring my amp and we'll put a mic through it. I said it should be enough. So I go up and I do it. And greatest bunch of people, fantastic show. You know, probably ninety people in the group. Mm -hmm. Just it was amazing. You know. Yeah. So,
1: but now you've got that amp in your back in your trunk all the time, right? But
0: but when I'm doing gigs, you know, I if so I tell people I said if you want to, I don't have a like sound system per se, but I can bring my amp and my mic and my mic stand. You
1: know. Yeah. Make it easy on them a little bit. What other tips would you give uh, new comics? Um, just so, go wait.
0: Be early. Early. Leave mm-hmm. time for a flat tire. Like if you if you're driving for a, a three hour drive, leave five hours mm-hmm. early. Leave that two hour cushion in case uh, something. I I'll tell you what happened to me once. I'm driving to do a gig in Fresno, California, from L. A. And I'm driving up across the Grapevine which is this giant mountain mm-hmm. for people that don't know. And I'm going up there and I pop a water line, crack the block in my car Ooh. and I'm up like, and there's not much up there, but my car is a Ford at the time. I had a Ford Escort at the time. Oh yeah. And uh, the, it was the classic comedy car of the eighties and nineties. Yep. <laughs> and uh, so there's a Ford dealership, just like an exit to mile up. So I get a tow truck and fortunately I'd left a few hours mm-hmm. early because I was going up there to check into the hotel and relax a little bit before the gig. They tow me to this Ford dealership. They put my car in there. And my car was kind of old already. had about 250,000 miles on yeah, it. Yeah. And so I take it in there, and I said, the guy said, can you rent me a car? I'll be back tomorrow. He goes, well, we don't really rent cars. I go, do you have a demo, something you could, I said. So all of a sudden, I see this Ford Mustang big sign special sale i go over there's and Uh it's not like and i just like i say and for this is one reason why you always want to have good credit (laughs) comic right so i go in and i say how much is that car and like this was say 80 it was an 89 mustang so it was end of the model year Mm 90-ish so it was early 1990 and it was on clearance with special discount eighty eight hundred bucks whoa yeah, that's how much the price of cards was when i was a kid so it was eighty eight hundred dollars man and uh and it might have been a demo or something uh-huh. too it was a pretty good price and i said listen i got an escort in there with a crack block will you give me some trading on it? the guy goes in there looks at and goes we'll give you a thousand bucks i said deal done how fast can i have that car out the door the guy goes 30 minutes (laughs) so you rolled up to the gig in your new (laughs) and my new Ford Mustang yeah so uh that's a a nice upgrade but I had that Mustang I had that Mustang for gosh I drove it till I I actually sold it when I left California in 2004 okay so I get some miles out of that and I sold it and I sold it for about Two thousand dollars, yeah. So wow. it's like,
1: yeah, I did all right
0: with that. Car. Leave early <laughs> enough so you
1: can buy a new car. Yeah, leave early enough so you can get a new car if you have good credit. Yeah, and if not, if you can't get good credit, get AAA. Yeah. Because I remember leaving Chicago headed towards the, um, I guess it was uh, not Fort Wayne, but South Bend, Indiana. Funny Bone. Right. And right there on the Skyway, my truck breaks down. But I had like a hundred and fifty miles towing, or what? It, it literally got me to the club's parking lot. And I had like two more miles left on my towing package. And it was only 59 bucks a year. So this guy yeah. told me, and, and it sat there in the parking lot, and I went on stage, and I, and I got there just in time, you know, making phone right. calls and everything on the way over, let him know. And I got there, and I went up on stage and said, you know, did my set. And then before I did the introduction for the feature, I'm like, by the way, I've got this problem with my car. The truck is out there in the parking lot. If anybody knows anybody that can work on it, the guy in the front row was a mechanic, came out that night, sat underneath my car for three hours, and fixed it. Man, And I said, what do I owe you? Oh, man, can you get me into the Saturday show? I'm <laughs> like, you and 10 friends. you know. And that was one of those deals where I, I sat there for about an hour waiting to get picked up, right. but I'd left that little cushion in there. You, so leaving leaving some time. You got to leave time. But plus, you know, especially now, like I want to get to a
0: gig, especially if there's a hotel. Mm-hmm. I want to go to the hotel. I'm going to take a little nap before the gig. I'm going to watch some TV. I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to relax. Even if... I'm going to drive back home that night. Right. If there's a hotel, I still take the hotel,
1: and I go early. It's a fun job. It's a fun job. What are you got lined up after your six-week break here? You're gonna.
0: Uh, how often do you do the cruise stuff? Uh, I do the cruise uh, one week or sometimes two weeks a month. So I uh, go back out July 2nd for Royal Caribbean, and I follow
1: that up with a, a cruise on Carnival mm-hmm. in July. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I guess we should tell people where they can find you. I'm sure there's some uh, folks. You know, if, if
0: anybody wants to it. contact me, you know I'm very easy to find. Uh, my parole officer is <laughs> – no, I'm uh, – I'm on uh, Facebook. I'm Jeffrey Jenna on Facebook. Jeffrey, you can send me a message there. And you still got a website out, right? Yeah, my my website is easy to remember. It's my name, JeffreyJenna.com. Jeffrey Jenna. Uh, you can see funny, funny videos there.
1: Yeah, check and, out the uh, one – the the game that your dad plays with his friends. the Oh, oh, yeah. you still yeah. do that yeah. oh yeah that's, yeah I still do that bit that, that um, one's my favorite and the, the steering wheel it's like a oh, oh yeah oh, the, wheel. the Battlestar Galactica yeah, hey. yeah those grab, the
0: wheel, <laughs> grab the wheel son grab the wheel that I can't hold her on my own <laughs> those so, are
1: great thanks well it's good stuff well I'm gonna oh thanks Rick hey, hey thanks for having me on your podcast All right, that does it for this week's podcast. If you enjoyed the episodes, please leave us an iTunes review or shoot me a short message on which episode you enjoyed the most so far. And I'll announce that on our episode 100 coming up on May 12th. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later.
0: Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit schooloflaps.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay funny.